Good morning. Good to be here. Thanks uh, for making me feel at home. And uh, I do feel at home because of the snow. (laughs) I'm from Maine, so I know what snow is and uh, cold. But I've got to admit, I've been enjoying being in Virginia for the last few weeks. Nothing wrong with heat either. (laughs) Anyway, it's... um, I'd just like to, um, to say a couple of things. Um, it's kind of amazing. I don't know if the queerings are still here, but yeah, they are. Um, uh, three, we have four children, and three of my uh, kids have were really helped uh, by Rob Queering and uh, his English. And uh, <laughs> I, there's, there is hope for them yet. <laughs> no, but except one son is, uh, he says... Well, I'm taking English class in college, you know. I'm like, well, good, maybe it'll do something. But um, anyway, uh, he was a huge uh, impact on our kids. And um, just, uh, you know, sometimes we don't think about support ministries, do we, too much, you know. And um, I was also yesterday um, uh, here in the sanctuary, someone was hanging up flags. I can't locator at this point, and it's okay, she'd probably be embarrassed, but anyway, um, you know, just all those things that go on that uh, we don't really think too much about, so uh, it's a privilege to be here this morning, it's a privilege to share the Word of God with you, and um, and just uh, on behalf of my family, thank you for inviting us, hope to get to know a few of you, I really like uh, this conference schedule because uh, I'm here for a week, so... Um, I heard there's a good donut shop in town. I'm waiting for somebody to invite me. Okay? No need to say any more. But I do love donuts. Okay. <laughs> we have good donuts in Maine, too. Okay. Uh, enough of that. Let's, um, uh, this, this sermon is, um, it actually, the title of it is called Growing Treasures Out of Darkness. And that's uh, kind of what we've been doing the last uh, few years in Uruguay. And um, don't feel bad if you can't pronounce it. Um, you know, I hear all kinds of pronunciations of Uruguay. It's okay. Um, and when I remember when they told us we were going there, my wife and I, hung, I hung up the phone and <laughs> I said, get out the map. Where is that? <laughs> you know, I really wasn't too sure. Um, so it's not really a, a front country, but um, that you hear a lot about. But seeing the Frolics are here, and and a few people have been down there. <laughs> this gentleman in the front row. So <laughs> you know, we. Uh, I'm going to skip over a few of the preliminaries about Uruguay this morning. So anyway, uh, growing light out of darkness. Um, like I said, I'm from Maine, and uh, I love winter. I used to love it more than I do now, but I, I still like it. And, um, you know, after a fresh snowfall and the sun comes out and it's really cold and there's that sparkle in the air, it's great, isn't it? You know, it's something that those southerners, they don't get to enjoy that. <laughs> but um, anyway, um, that's a really nice thing. And, and uh, when I was growing up, I was kind of, I kind of a crazy streak and... and um, and one of the things we used to do as teenagers was uh, on a full moon night, we used to go out and um, we would like 
drive without headlights. You know, you just get going and and you see most everything, you know. <laughs> so it's it's actually the frost heaves that'll get you in Maine <laughs> when you're doing that. <laughs> but um, anyway, we drive at night uh, without any headlights because you could see really well if the moon was out. And another thing, I was a patroller, a ski patroller for a couple of, for four years, actually. And um, and one of the things I used to do is I'd stay up top on a full moon night occasionally. I stoke the fire and stay up there, sleep up there. And I'd ski uh, most of the night. And I could ride up with the groomers. You know, they were grooming the trails, and so I'd ski down and ride up. And it's really a great thing to do because um, you watch your shadow. That's how you actually ski at night, you know, because your shadow tells you how fast you're dropping and what, you know, is next, kind of. <laughs> and then you just, you know, uh, somehow you get through it. <laughs> but it's a real rush, and we used to do that quite a bit. And so, you know, we understand the difference between light and darkness. Um, you know, and thank you, uh, the Lord, thank the Lord for that we do understand that. It's very, uh, we just, you know, we know what it's like to walk in a dark room. We know what it's like to walk in a room flooded with light um, and the contrast. And, you know, in a spiritual sense, um, Scripture is very clear about the difference between light and darkness. Uh, it would be amazing to actually gather together all those verses that talk about light and darkness in the Scripture, because there's a lot of them. And, you know, darkness represents uh, evil and it represents sin, and it represents Satan. And light represents goodness, forgiveness, God. Um, and so we have this, this contrast between uh, good and evil in the Scriptures. And, you know, um, I'm just going to get right to it this morning. In, in John, in the very first chapter, talking about the Word, and the Word became flesh, and the Word dwelt among us. And we know the Word is Jesus Christ. And then in verse 4, um, it says, In Him, in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of men. So the life of Jesus, Jesus was the light of men, and is the light of men. And then in verse 5, That light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Uh, another version says, has not overcome it. And it says the same thing, really. Uh, in Spanish, it's, uh, no puede extinguirla. You can't put it out. And so darkness has never been able to put out the light. Ever. And it never will. And sometimes we get discouraged. And sometimes we see what's going on around the world and we think, where's this headed? And, you know, um, uh, what's going to happen? Um, but you know what? We, the, the victory is won. The victory is ours. The victory is the light. The victory is Jesus Christ. And um, darkness is never going to prevail. Never. Never going to prevail. That's not God's plan. And that's not what is going to happen. Because he is in control. And, you know, you go over to, uh, in John, just another couple of verses here, chapters, Chapter 3, verse 19 says, this is the verdict. Here we have it. The verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. 
That's the verdict. It's been pronounced. It's been declared. Light, Jesus, has come into the world. But men love the darkness more than the light. And so we have that struggle in our universe. You know, we have this struggle between good and evil, between God and Satan, between evil and good. And um, that struggles all around the world. It's right here in the United States. I mentioned this morning, uh, as missionaries, we come in every four years, in our case. And um, it's kind of like you take a snapshot of American society every four years. And I wish I could, like, put them up on the pictures up on the mantle, you know, because it's amazing how it changes and how fast things are moving uh, here in North America. And, um, you know, in Uruguay, too, uh, just... Uh, the difference between dark and light and how they've been without light for so long and how the church has just been uh, practically non-existent for so many years. It makes for a very dark place. Uh, But before I get to that, I want to just mention first or talk about this for a little bit. The idea of this struggle or or this battle actually being a personal battle, being one that happens inside of us. And what I mean by that is um, there's a battle going on uh, between, in our minds sometimes, between pure and impure, um, between faith and doubt, and between right and wrong. And it's, a, it's something that we walk this fine line and we get bombarded with things and we think we know we're gonna, how we're going to react, but sometimes we don't react that way, do we? Sometimes we mess up. And sometimes we fail, and we fail to represent God, or we fail to do the right thing. Um, We fail on the good end, and we can actually step into evil real quickly. And so there's this this, uh, tension in all of our lives, and it's very real uh, to each one of us. Um, You know, this tension isn't new. Uh, And remember, Paul was talking about this tension in Romans, and uh, I'll just read that one verse. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Romans 7. uh, What does he say here? He says, Romans 7, I think it's 21, if I'm not mistaken. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. You know, he talks about this struggle. Between the law of good and the law of evil. And it's frustrating. And he's, he's like, you know, it's hopeless sometimes. And I, I just feel like sometimes I lose this battle. And um, he's frustrated. And he, we are frustrated. And we get frustrated with ourselves. And think, how many times do I have to learn this lesson? <laughs> you know? I mean, once or twice, and I always go back to the seven times seven, thankfully, that's in the Bible. But, you know, just how many times do we have to make an error to learn? Um, And um, I was uh, reading in this commentary on on Romans chapter seven uh, by Ray Sedman. And in this commentary, he talked about this time he was out in Colorado, in Colorado Springs, and he was going to go up Pikes Peak. And he had contracted a limousine and... and, um, so the day came, and he was rushing around. He, he went out of his hotel. A limousine was waiting for him. And he got in the limousine, and it just sped off. Just, he barely got the door closed. 
And he was surprised. He didn't even realize the engine was running. The car was running. Um, and, and he started to think about that and, and reflect. And uh, he thought, wow, that's kind of like our lives and sin in our life. You know, we go along and everything's okay. And we're calm. We have peace. And, and it's, but there's something dormant there. There's the flesh. <laughs> that's what the something is. It's the flesh. And we all have flesh, and we all have the, uh, that tendency to sin. And, and it's like all of a sudden something triggers us. Somebody says something to us, or something happens tragically or, or that's difficult to accept, and everything just comes unglued. You know, all that, those good days are gone in an instant. And our attitudes shock us. Sometimes what we think what we'd like to do to that person, you know, it's shocking. It's really shocking. We think, wow, how could we think like that? We're kingdom thinkers. We're born again. We're renewed in the Holy Spirit. How can we struggle with this stuff? I mean, come on. But the struggle is real. And um, then Paul says here in, in uh, verse 24, what a wretched man I am. You think, wow, Paul, <laughs> it's kind of strong. But it's true, you know, we are just, uh, we're only saved by grace. There's nothing else. Uh, And then he says, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, Paul knew it. He understood it. And uh, this morning, I just want to remind us that, you know, there is hope for this struggle. There is a, a, a way to have victory over these struggles in our lives. Uh, As we just pray and lean on the Lord, uh, we can have victory. You know, don't make the... I think sometimes God brings us to that point where we get just so uh, fed up. You could call it spiritual bankruptcy. And like you're just like, oh, you know, I give up. Well, that's the moment when God steps in. And God says, you know, I know, I know, I want to help you with this. I want to give you victory in this. Admit that you need me and I'll give you victory over this. Don't try to, you know, we always try to fix things on ourselves and that's okay. But sometimes when we're talking spiritually, we have to admit we are bankrupt without God. We are just bankrupt without him. Um So I mentioned a little uh, earlier that this struggle between good and evil uh, is just, it's not only in us, it's around the world. And it's right here in the good old USA. Um, I was uh, reading a devotional on, it was on this verse. This is in John chapter 12, verse 32. John 12, 32. And um, I was reading this before Christmas. And it struck me, um, this verse, John 12, 32 says, it's Jesus speaking. He says, but I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. We've seen that verse. We've read it. When I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. It's kind of like light attracts. And, and when Jesus Christ is lifted up, uh, we are attracted to him. People are drawn to him. And we always will be. Um, 
And um, this commentary, uh, this uh, devotional, he was writing about this, and he said, this is what he said. We think that all the world needs is a little bit of love, when what it really needs is major surgery of the heart. If we think that we are helping the loss by only using sympathy and comprehension, we are mistaken. We would like to serve God, but in a way that's not offensive and without confrontation. When, in reality, the cross was offensive. There was confrontation. And it was the moment in history when good and evil encountered each other. And right there in that moment, it appeared that evil won the victory. But that's not what happened, is it? And we know that's not what happened. We know that Christ had the victory. But that is the place where good and evil collided. And even, you know, you read that in the scripture. And what happened? In one account, it became dark, didn't it? Physically dark in the middle of the day. You know, so this idea of darkness and light, it is woven all through scripture. It is amazing how much is written on this one subject. So the reality of darkness in Uruguay, that is a whole subject unto itself. And um, I'll get some other times to talk to you this week about that. I'm going to mention a few things, though, this morning. Um, sometimes when I think of Uruguay, I uh, don't get me wrong, I really like Uruguay. Uh, I've been there seven years now, and um, I miss it, and uh, it's home. But it is a dark place. Um, sometimes when I show my, uh, my videos, I, I think to myself, I should run a tourist agency or something, you know, because yeah, I can make Uruguay look pretty good. Uh, you know, horseback riding on the beach, uh, you know, surfing, whale watching. I mean, you know, not too bad. Uh, but spiritually, it is a difficult place. And... Um, Sometimes when I think of that, I think of this verse. Darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. And that's what I think sometimes when I think about Uruguay. Thick darkness is over the peoples. And, you know, you've heard some of this probably from the Frolix and other people, but dark, uh, Uruguay is a declared secular state. Um, there is basically no religion in Uruguay uh, it, the statistics will say it's Roman Catholic, but it's nothing like the other South American countries where we have lived. Um, and um, Uruguay is is just this kind of like place that it really belongs in Europe. It really does. Uh, they should just move because and actually <laughs> actually 900. I think there's 900,000 Uruguayans. I don't know. That figure might have changed because a lot have been coming back to Uruguay. But there's a lot of Uruguayans living in Spain. Um, and they look to Europe. And um, Europe's kind of like the way they'd like to be. Um, and so you have these, these people that, um, you know, there's, because there's been no religion, because they haven't really uh, honored God, um, you know, we have uh, an 80% divorce rate in Uruguay. Uh, we have the highest suicide rate in South America, and in one area, in three uh, areas of the country, the highest in the world of a certain age group of uh, men. 
And so, you know, when you see that and you think, wow, you know, Satan is convincing people that it's better to take your life than to try to change it. Than to, you know, it's just like they're living in a hopeless uh, situation. And without God, it is hopeless. Um, and But, you know, uh, uh, sometimes when I feel the darkness the most is, um, for example, sometimes when we go to bed at night, um, I we have a, a thatched roof in our house, uh, on our house. Kind of, it's a thing that's in that area. It's for summer tourists. It keeps the upstairs cool and um, keeps it cool in the winter, too. <laughs> but... Um, in the summer, it's uh, nice. And, um, and anyway, in this thatched roof, you can hear everything outside. It's amazing. You, you can hear, you know, everything that goes on. And so at night, we lay there in bed and we hear this uh, beating of the drums. And it's Makumba worship, which has come to us through, from Africa, through Brazil, and into Uruguay. And that's what you hear night after night, are these Makumba worship services going on all around our neighborhood. And um, uh, another thing that, you know, reminds me of the darkness in Uruguay, I I was um, coming home one night and I turned the corner and right here, right on the side of the road were were two place settings for two people, you know, and they were like nice plates, uh, wine glasses, uh, silverware, napkins right on the side of the road. And a bunch of candles burning. And that was a sacrifice that, was, uh, that somebody had uh, made right there on the side of the road. And you look at that and, and you think, wow, there is a whole culture that's going on here at night that I do not know anything about. And the day before we came up here, Laura, my wife Laura and I, we decided to go for a walk in the be- on the beach. We're in Montevideo. And kind of, you know, say goodbye to the beach. It was, it was we came up in December. And um, as we started down the dunes, right there, right, uh, right in Montevideo, uh, two dead chickens. They'd been sacrificed the night before, laying side by side. Voodoo worship. We have Gnosticism. We have all these things that have come into this vacuum, if you will, uh, because there has been no religion to speak of in Uruguay. And so they need to hear the rest of uh, that Isaiah 60, you know, because the rest of that says nations will come to your light. (laughs) And that's what Uruguay and that's our prayer that Uruguay will come to the light. Um, So uh, this last uh, term, we've been working in Maldonado. You did very good, by the way, pronouncing Maldonado. Congratulations. Um, It sounds kind of like McDonald's. Um, but we've been in Maldonado. Maldonado is actually 180,000 people, um, and it's a working-class city for Punta del Este, which is a resort area right, uh, right next door to us. And um, we started with two people, and we're up to about, on a good day, 12 after two and a half years. But, you know, there's some, some success stories there and some things that have happened, and I'll probably share some of those with you this week, get to do that. Um, and when I think of, of our little church plan and what we've been doing uh, this term, I wanted to read this verse to you. It's in Colossians 1.13, and it says this, 
For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. And that's what I think we have been doing in Maldonado, is rescuing people from darkness and bringing them into the kingdom he loves. And the fun thing about church planning is maybe you don't see the numbers right away, but you do get to be with unsaved people all the time. And uh, you get to present Christ in small and big ways. And we've seen people go from complete darkness to light. Uh, it's taken time, but boy, when that happens and somebody gets it, and they're like, I want this for myself and for my life and even for my family. That's exciting. And um, the Lord gave us one of those just before we left Uruguay. One of, uh, a friend of ours, a neighbor really. And she accepted Christ and, and as her Savior. And we were just, I mean, we danced around for the whole morning after she left. I mean, it was just, it was incredible. It was so much fun. But this idea of rescuing. You know, uh, the movie The Guardian uh, and the Coast Guard, the rescue swimmers, and they're pulling people up, you know, out of the sea, the Bering Sea or wherever they are. And, uh, and, you know, that's kind of how I think about pulling people out of darkness and into light. You know, we're, we're pulling them. There's trappings on them. It's, it's dangerous if they stay in that place. The, the future is not very promising but as they're pulled into the light, they understand and they have hope. You know, they have hope for a hopeless life. Um, both light and darkness are viewed as powers. The light as a means for bearing fruit and growing. And the darkness as the authority or power from which we are rescued. It's just those two things, light and darkness. Um, I, I wanted to tell you about a story of another lady. Her name is Theodora. And um, Theodora, uh, we found out about her. She was in a respiratory coma uh, for nine days. And her sister, who was a Christian, attended one of our Alliance churches uh, up in the north part of the country. So she had the whole church praying for her sister. And uh, we went and visited her. And there wasn't much we could do, you know, the, the husband was there, the whole family, they were very distraught. Well, she came out of that coma. Um, and when she did, as she tells it, the first thing she thought of was her sister. And her sister had been witnessing to her. Her sister had given her scripture, had been praying for her for years and Dinora had never, I mean, Theodora had never really opened the door, given her any hope that she was listening or even interested. But when she woke up from that coma, the first thing she thought of was her sister and her sister's faith. And she, in her little way, prayed to receive Christ right there, right then, because she didn't think she had any more time to lose. And, you know, when we found her... Um, I remember walking into the room and her husband was there and here come, you know, a, a, a missionary and a pastor and he had not been in a coma for nine days. <laughs> so he wasn't too pleased to see these religious people coming in. Um, but she was and she just lit up and, and, and every time she would go somewhere, she would just like, she really was kind of like a, 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 
a light shining. And my wife would say to me, wow, I love teaching her because she just is so attentive. It's like, you know, she's making up for lost time. And those kind of people, when that happens, it's exciting. And now Theodora works in a co-op. She uh, and her husband sell uh, souvenirs. I think there's like 60 vendors in that, in that co-op. And, you know, you can't put her out. You can't stop her. She is like sharing, you know, with her vendor friends. And, and she's praying for her husband. She's brought her son to church. I mean, you know, it's just exciting because God's done a wonderful thing for her. He's given her a second chance at life. And he's pulled her out of darkness and into light. And um, that's, that makes it all worthwhile, doesn't it? It really does. So, um, just hours before Jesus' arrest, he said, The prince of this world now stands condemned. The prince of this world will be driven out. I mean, you know, the victory is ours. The victory is Jesus. And that he will always be the victory. You know, we can claim his victory in our lives, personally. And, and those struggles, we can claim his victory over those struggles. And we can live a victory life for Christ. And we can claim those victories for people. You know, it's very possible you have a sister or a brother that you have been praying for and sharing for years and hoping that they will see the light. Um, and I just want to encourage you this morning. You know, if they are the orders in the kingdom of God today. And your brother or sister or whatever, whoever else that you have on your heart can be in the same place. God is mighty to save like we've been singing. You know, so this morning, um, just uh, be encouraged and, and just think of what your part is in the kingdom. And what your part is in being light in this dark world. Uh, and let's step out in faith. Let's not shrink back or hold back or let doubt overcome us. Step out in faith and just let God do the work that he wants to do. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men. So I just want to encourage you with that word this morning. You know, let your light shine. Don't second guess. Don't give it another thought. Let's just be kingdom workers uh, stepping out in faith and believing God for great things. Believing him for turnarounds uh, and for nations that, you know, can be turned around and where light will shine where once there was darkness.